your 6th grade announcer, G-Force O'Neill, with Charlie the Dog. Don't forget to pick up a copy of Ron Don's free buyer and seller playbook. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 446 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about Chris Rock, who finally has a reaction to Will Smith, the slap, and his apology. Uh, We'll talk about that, because I think it's really important. Uh, Also, uh, coming up, let's talk about the Seahawks game tonight. You may have heard that number three, his name is Russell Wilson, who my son calls Russell Wilson. In fact, his little number three jersey is still hanging in his bedroom next door. I asked him the other day, uh, I said, do you want to take it down? He said, no, Daddy, we'll leave it up. Anyway, Tyler Lockett says, who plays for the Seahawks, that we should cheer for Russell Wilson tonight during Monday Night Football. Uh, my son thinks we should cheer, too. Ron might have a different thought about that. I certainly have some thoughts about that, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Teachers strike in Seattle, Washington. A lot of times when we talked about this on terrestrial radio, people would get really pissed off and mad at teachers. And they'd say, you know what? You're part-time workers. You get off at two in the afternoon. You have all these holidays. You get off. You have a great pension plan. You don't work during the summer. You're getting paid to be a full-time employee and you work half the time. And they also get very upset when it's time for their kids to go back to school because kids aren't in school. In fact, uh, as we're recording this podcast, I have to leave in a moment and go scoop up and pick up my son and come back. And and we have a couple more podcasts, some other things that Ron and I are going to uh, do today. I have to say, though, on purpose, uh, my son and I drove by his school yesterday and we did some honking and we did some clapping and we did some supporting of these teachers. Now, maybe easier for me to do that because my my schedule is a little more flexible than other people. And I understand what a pain in the ha this is if you don't have a flexible schedule or if you are a single parent or if your kiddo, especially after COVID, you guys, I get it. They are ready to go back to school and they they begin start having memories of school never starting. And as I'm talking to some of my friends that are parents, uh, this could be a trigger of trauma for a lot of these kids. We also know that uh, we look at some of the recent national test scores, and in, in there's some of the worst test scores that we've had in, in probably two decades. They say when you, when you look at kids' math skills, you have to go back all the way back to 2004. Uh, but... You know, as I, as, as I look at this, the headline is this, uh, and this is the number one reason that teachers are sitting out, and I want to get Ron's thought about this. It, it has become very important in Seattle schools for Seattle schools to integrate. When I was growing up, I was in a special education class, a special ed class. 
I remember being taken in first grade. This happened in kindergarten and first grade. And they took me out of class. I didn't see any of my friends anymore until I saw them at recess. They started making fun of me, and I didn't know why. Uh, I was in a special education class, and it was sold to me because I was special, and I was getting a special education. What I didn't know is that I was considered slow. And because of that, they placed me in this class. And it wasn't until the third grade when I had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Warner, Mrs. Davis. They went to my mother, and I've shared this before, and they gave me some tests. And they said, you know, we don't think he's slow. He's just an idiot. So <laughs> they, t- they sent me to the special idiot class. No, they said, you know what? He is just hyperactive. Uh, he has lots of energy. I still do. Uh, sometimes I sit and I shake my leg when I talk. I've always done that during the radio program. But at the same time, I can be very focused on a task, you guys. So ADHD and all that stuff, sometimes people look at me because I have a lot of energy and they'll say, you're, you're all these things. And I'm really not, right? I'm really not. I'm an introvert at heart, which is really hard for people to understand. But going back to integrated classrooms, for a lot of our kids and for my son, son who's going into seventh grade, the class sizes have gotten much bigger, especially if you're in the area of tech. And some of these teachers now have 31, 32, 33 kids in their class. On top of that, you are dealing with kids who wouldn't qualify for special education that are struggling themselves when it comes to math and reading. And then on top of that, you take kids who formerly you would have in special education we would call them special needs now, and you're placing them back in a regular classroom. What teachers are saying is, hold on. We're not against integration, but where is the help? Where's the help for these bigger class sizes? Where is the help when it comes to bringing a child in that has special needs? Uh, My son has been in some classes with some kids from special needs, and he will tell you when they act out, the, the, the teacher's sole focus then becomes on these children with special needs. And it is very disruptive to, to the class. And then a, a lot of these kids that are, you know, uh, non-special needs kids, let's just say that, they end, up, they, they end up struggling themselves with their own education. Ron, what do you think the road is for? Do you support teachers striking? They're saying, hey, the only leverage we have is not going back in the classroom they're not against integration. They just want to know what the resources are, and they and they want the district to be very specific about how we're going to do this moving forward because they feel like if they just say, yeah, let's integrate, and the district says, yeah, we'll throw some resources your way, it never happens. Yeah, this one's interesting for me because I am a uh, an unmarried man with no kids. And so my, my interests in terms of uh, if I was, you know, a strictly selfish person would be like, Hey man, I, I, you, I pay a bunch of tax money here. Just get it done. Like I don't, I don't use the schools. I don't care about the schools. I don't have any affiliation with the schools, but that's, that's not how I feel. My brother was a career teacher. He's now retired. And so I, I had occasion to go and do some stuff with him at his school and go on some field trips to Washington, D.C. with him and watch what it's like uh, to deal with a large number of children. And that convinced me that, you know, when it comes to money, they should be compensated well. If you look at the resources in America and you think, what is the one or two things that if we spent more money on and improved the quality of would vastly improve just our society as a whole. 
education has to be right up there. Like getting a new fighter jet or a new uh, tank system or a new, uh, you know, laser guided missile system. Does that help America as much as if the education of all of the children rose? I think the answer is obvious in that. However, uh, we will gladly spend money on defense or gladly spend money on an oil pipeline or gladly spend money on fill in the blank and then battle education at every turn. Uh, and so in, in my mind, I, I've, I've really evolved over the years on this to support these teachers. It is an incredibly difficult job. I, I was out yesterday watching a couple parents try to control three children that did not want to be controlled. And I was like, how in the world could you do that for 30? There were three kids that were probably kindergarten, first grade age. And they did not want to, they were, they did not want to be controlled. And, and these parents, I felt for them, a lot of screaming going on, a lot of wriggling around, a lot of running around, escaping grasps here and there. It, these, these teachers have an incredibly difficult job. I don't know enough about the current state of special ed and special needs and, and if there should be segregation among those populations. Like, I really don't know. There is There does seem to be a tipping point, though, where it is more of a distraction than not a distraction. Uh, and I don't know what that tipping point is, but that exists. Like, it's pretty clear logically that there would be some kids that would be more disruptive than it would be a help uh, to the entire class. Um, so I, I'm fully on the side of the teachers on this. They need help. Uh, the class size 30 kids is way too big of a class size to have any learning done. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the teachers on this, and and I'm with them striking. Uh, you have to use the only leverage you have, and the only leverage they have is to not educate our kids. And and, and at some point, they're going to go back. I think they're right to want very specific language about how they're going to integrate and how they're going to support all kids. Because uh, it is true. I have to say, when I went back in the classroom in the third grade and I finally kind of understood what was going on, I excelled. And and I say this, and this is not because I'm super smart, because I'm not, but I, I was almost embarrassed when I finally figured out around the third grade. And believe me, my my brother and my, my sister let me know. Uh, because back then they would call you a retard and and they had no problem doing that. The the it it helped for me to go back into the regular classroom and get out of the I read these books called Sam I Am books. It helped me to get out of the Sam I Am classes. But they they had to sit me down and explain to me that hey, this is this this was some of your behavior before and that's why you had to take an off ramp when it comes to this particular class. So I see the value of kids integrating. I don't know if that's important that they integrate all day in, in all the classes. I'll leave that up to the experts. But I do think it's very important. I drive by some of these schools sometimes. Uh, you think about coders getting off a plane making $350,000. You think about home prices here in Seattle. A house in Illinois that would cost 200 grand is $1.2 million here in Seattle, right? So there's lots of money here and there's lots of resources. But you you look at some of the schools, even the physical buildings themselves, 
and they're pieces of junk. They just really are. I was at REI yesterday uh, uh, buying a couple things, and I was talking to the gentleman who was ringing me up, and he said, hey, shouldn't your son be in school today? And I explained that, hey, the teachers are on strike. And he goes, yeah, I used to be a teacher. And he was very young. He was, he was I, I, would, I would say in his late 20s. And, and I said, why did you leave the, if you don't mind me asking, why did you leave the teaching profession uh, to come, you know, basically uh, be a clerk or a teller at, at REI? He goes, you know what? I did it for three years. I gave it everything I had. He goes, I got completely burned out through the pandemic and I didn't feel supported. Uh, I get that because I watched teachers struggle to keep all these kids online, to deal with parents that were really pissed off, uh, to deal with the politics coming from the left and right that's always coming at them when it comes to their curriculum and what they're teaching kids in class, what they're told to teach kids, maybe their own belief system. On top of that, nobody goes home at two. Uh, I see teachers, especially at my son's school, all year long in the, in the parking lot prepping. A lot of them teach summer classes. They coach. Uh, and then many of them stay till five, six, seven o'clock at night. Then they turn around, they go grade papers. Uh, they take phone calls, they do conferences, and then they're, they're back to work the very next day at a very early hour. So anyway, I'm with the teachers on this. And I think we all should be concerned about making sure that our kids are not triggered right now as some of them are not going back to school. Uh, and I'm really trying to make sure I stay close uh, to my son right now because of that. I don't want this to be a triggering moment. We will see you on the other side. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're that they just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and, and a trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is, is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. When you're ready to sit down with the guys and talk about your real estate journey, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 447. Uh, I think I said 446 at the top. Sorry about that. Oops. Hey, you just heard from uh, some of our great clients. In fact, we just got done doing a sit down this morning. And this is about a house. We're sitting here as we're heading into the fall in Seattle of 2022. This is about selling a house in the spring on the east side in 2023 in Moran. The folks from the Ron and Don Nation that we sat down with this morning, they're like, are we are we approaching this too early? And 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 you said what? I, I just said absolutely not. Like it's I love people that plan out and want to forecast out and get everything ready. It gives you a long enough time to really consider things, to look at the trends in the market. It was interesting in this neighborhood. When we, I looked up the info around their house, like did a little micro search, and you see the people that are currently listed that are not reacting and responding to the market. They, there was a house that's been on the market for 83 days, no price reductions. Uh, it's, it's way over the value of the house. And I got to imagine that that person has a real estate agent that just was like, yep, we'll list it at that number. And then, however they arrived at that number it's not working they have no strategy they have no adjustments they are just sitting there floundering and you know you need to pay attention what what we a big part of the meeting today was like we are going to do the best that we can to control the things we can control and then the the market is going to be what the market is going to be and we need to be agile and be able to adjust our expectations and our performance to get you the best result when you list the house. Yeah, and I work on the renovation side of all these homes, you guys. If, if you figure out what your renovation is going to be and your costs are going to be six months ahead of time, and then you can actually shop contractors, and we can then get multiple bids and have them compete for your business. If you do that three to six months out, you're going to get a better you're going to get a better result and you're not going to pay as much money. If you wait until you're a month, two months out and you get really close to it, you're, you're, you're going to deal with contractors that are already locked up. You're not going to get the best bids. Some contractors won't even bid on it because they're not going to have time and you're going to pay more. So on the renovation, if you, and every house needs renovation, doesn't mean you need a new roof. It doesn't mean uh, you need, need new painting inside and out, but I bet something needs to be painted I bet some floors need to be buffed. I bet you may need to replace carpet somewhere. I bet the yard may need to be straightened out. Those types of things. Yeah. Even if you're not going to do the work six months out, get some bids. And and that's something that we can help with, okay? Because we have a whole team of contractors that work with us. And uh, yeah, let's do a sit down. Email me, ron at ronanddon.com. Yeah. Hey, uh, tonight... Uh, Tyler Lockett says is number three, Russell Wilson of the Broncos step into Lumen field that we should cheer for him. I don't know where this comes from. Exactly. I know that Tyler's a person of faith. I know that Russell Wilson is a person of faith and Tyler just feels like, Hey, Russell Wilson did a lot for this city, took us to a super bowl, maybe the greatest Seahawk of all time. We should cheer him on tonight. Ron, what are your thoughts? Because it's really weird for you because you're not a huge I, – I know that you're well, – I'll just be honest. I don't think you're a big Russell Wilson fan. I don't think you, you have – I think you like him as a football player, not necessarily as a person. And a, 
at the same time, you, you grew up in a Bronco family. So what are you going to be doing tonight when the quarterback of the Denver Broncos makes a great play? Are you going to be cheering because you're a Bronco fan? Or are you going to be booing because you don't like Russell Wilson? You're in a real conundrum here, aren't you? Yeah, and I, and I don't... Russell Wilson, to me, is... He's not my favorite player. I think he's corny, a corny human being, but he's not a bad guy. Like he's clearly a good guy. He clearly, despite all his corniness, he does good in the community. And so I don't want to take it. He, he's not abusive. He's not out there doing drugs. He's not, you know, getting DUIs. Like he's a, he's a, a exemplary human being. I've, I've met him several times. He's just corny. He's not for me. Um, and so those two things can be, both things can be true. I, I, this comes down to whether you, when you follow sports, especially team sports, whether you're a diehard team person or you are a diehard player person. And so let's switch sports because it's easier in basketball. If you're a, a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, you hate LeBron James because LeBron James left your team. If you're a LeBron James fan, you think I root for LeBron regardless of the jersey he wore, he wears, because he's from Ohio and he gives a lot of money back to Akron, Ohio. So I'm a LeBron James fan. Doesn't matter if he's with Miami, doesn't matter if he's with LA. It was great that he brought a championship to Cleveland, but I get that it's a business and I'm going to pick the players that I like and root for those players. That's become a real popular thing with the rise of fantasy football because you pick individuals and you root for those individuals regardless of the team they have because that helps your fantasy team. I don't play fantasy because I don't have that kind of time. So for me... Um, I did grow up a Bronco fan. Just answer the question. Come on. I, are you going to be cheering tonight? Are you going to be booing? What are you going to be doing? It's like I asked you a question. I want an answer. And, and, and Okay, can I be honest? Yeah. that's I, I, was, I was hoping. I the mean, it, Seahawks, it's been seven minutes. Of, the Seahawks it's are going to be. Seven minutes of baby talk. Come on. The Seahawks are going to be terrible this year. <laughs> So I'm going to root for the Broncos for one season. You are, okay. But I'm not necessarily pulling for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I have to say, we'll know who the Seahawks team is going to be about eight games, ten games in. you got a, a lot of young players. The NFL is so fast. And any guy will tell you it's the speed of the game and everybody's good and everybody's great. Think about this. 2% of college players ever even get a crack at playing in the NFL. So even if you're one of the best college players ever, your game sometimes doesn't translate tim tebow some of the great college players could never play in the nfl and then there's some college players that weren't that great but but then they come out and they're, they're nfl stalwarts huh edelman for the patriots yeah so think? so so anyway uh boy you guys i i i don't boo i'm not a booer when people boo i think they suck for booing it's just a game it is just a football game at the same time i really get into it so if the seahawks play great tonight uh, I'll hope to see some of that young talent do well. I think when I look at Russell Wilson, I don't want him to win tonight. At the same time, I'm not going to boo him. I think when he comes out of the tunnel, I think it'd be great if people clap and cheer him on. Uh, he is the greatest Seahawk of all time. He did take us to two Super Bowls. He won one of those. And on top of that, um, 
he's going to go to Bron- the, the Denver Bronco family and try to do this a little bit differently. He wants to go there. He wants to cook. He wants to throw the ball. He just he wants to do it differently than he did in Seattle because he wants to be the MVP and considered one of the greatest of all time. So we'll see what he does. I think all the pressure is on him. I don't think there's any pressure on Pete Carroll. I don't think there's any pressure on this football team. Everybody knows they're in a rebuild mode. They're trying to what they did. They're trying to do what they did in 2012, 2013, 2014. Basically, do it with cheap young labor that they haven't had to pay yet. They'll go get their quarterback next year. Uh, it looks like in some of the mock drafts that they'll probably go after Alabama's quarterback, who was a Heisman Trophy last year. Will probably win it again this year. And 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 that's the focus. That's why we didn't go out and do what we did when we paid a bunch of money to Charlie Whitehurst, for instance. And then luckily, Russell Wilson, uh, it worked out because Charlie Whitehurst didn't. I think what we have for the Seattle Seahawks right now is we have two Charlie Whitehursts, right, that are the quarterbacks. And I don't know if that's fair to Charlie Whitehurst when you look at Drew Locke. I think who, Rick Meyer's still available. <laughs> yeah, pass me a hot dog. So anyway, anyway I think it's going to be a fun game to watch tonight. And we all have to admit, outside of this game, we're going to keep our eyes on Russell Wilson. We're going to watch him playing for the Denver Broncos. And one day, he's going to do just like Matt Hasselbeck and everybody else when they went to play for, for different teams. I think he'll retire at some point as a Seattle Seahawk. I think he'll be in a ring of honor. And I think he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. And I think he'll go in as a Seahawk, not no, as a Bronco. Russell Wilson's going to not pick any jersey. I guarantee it. He's too, <laughs> he's too corny to pick a, a team. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, people start the loan process, and for a lot of folks, there's a huge amount of anxiety because they think, oh man, my credit score is jacked. I am not going to be able to get a loan, or if I do, it's going to be a really bad rate. Can you help with that? We sure can. So the first thing we do when you take an application, if you're ready, is we pull your credit and we run it through our credit repair program. And they're going to give us a whole bunch of guidance on how you can quickly jump your score up. So I, we had a client recently who actually was able to a jump. A Ron and Don client, I might add. <laughs> it sure was. And she was able to jump up her score 60 points and actually get into the premium pricing range. So she went from not that good a rate. 60 points is no joke. It is no joke. And we do that frequently. So make sure you call us quickly because a lot of people who don't think they can get there get there quick all right so there's no need to be ashamed you don't have to feel like you're hiding under a rock there's gonna be no judgment on this go to mitch.loans start the process and get the ball rolling he he could probably most likely get you a credit jump as well mitch.loans is the website that's mitch.loans all right you guys before we get out of here uh chris rock dave Chappelle on tour together and uh, they have kind of cracked the silence about Will Smith, his big apology. Don't feel too bad for Will Smith. He just signed on to do a movie deal. He's guaranteed $33 million on this movie deal that he signed on to. So Hollywood still sees him as an important uh, actor. And some people thought this would hurt him. I don't think it hurts him. Do you think Dave Chappelle, though, and Chris Rock going after him a little bit, Ron, do you think it hurts him? And also, do you think it makes Chappelle and Chris Rock look small? Because it looks like at this point that Chris Rock is not forgiving uh, Will Smith. Well, no, I don't think it makes him look small. Chris Rock uh, had has not responded 
at all. It's been months and months. It's been like six months, I think, since that, the, the famous slap. And so all he said at this live comedy show, someone, I think someone asked him about the video that Will Smith, if you haven't seen it, Will Smith produced a video and published this video that basically said, I tried to reach out to Chris Rock. He didn't want to talk about it. So now let me apologize uh, to the universe through YouTube uh, because Chris won't talk to me um, personally. And so Chris sort of responded to that video saying, screw that video. Like, uh, what are you doing? Uh, and so, and I agree with Chris Rock on this. And Dave Chappelle's take on it was, you know, we saw Will Smith has been wearing this mask for 30 years of the perfect guy. And what we saw is when that mask came off for a minute. And and Chappelle equated it to growing up in some rough parts of Philadelphia. I think that's a bit of a cop-out. I think there are plenty of people that grow up in rough neighborhoods in Philadelphia and around the world that don't have that kind of behavior. So I don't know what is going on with this hyper-masculinity of, of Will Smith. He desperately wants to control the narrative. He desperately has a, a felt need to be in control of other people. And he's trying to control Chris Rock. And Chris Rock's saying, no, you don't get to control me. Yeah. Something I learned about in therapy, and I didn't get this, you guys, is that when you apologize to someone, they don't have to forgive you ever. Uh and I remember someone on our radio show, I, I, I said something and I cut her off one day and I said something that looking back, uh, what I said was right and she had crossed a line and she was wrong. Um, and, but what I said live to her on air was, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so I apologized to her privately and I apologized her to her I apologized to her publicly and, and privately. She never forgave me. She never said, I forgive you. Uh, and she, when you look into her past, she had a pretty traumatic past. And I remember going to my therapist and going, hey, you know, this person has not forgiven me. And she's like, yeah, welcome to the real world. A lot of times people don't forgive you. They don't have to. Because a lot of times when you're asking for forgiveness, it's selfish and it's about you. It's not about them. And they don't have to listen to you. They don't have to like it. They, and, and it was it was a really tough experience for me because I, I I thought I was owed that. If if I'm going to apologize, you owe me owe me forgiveness, and, and you don't. And and the thing that still bothers me about Will Smith, and I think you should explain this in the video. This is what I wanted to hear. Why? And, and he and he said I was in a fog. And that's why I didn't apologize to Chris Rock in the moment. Were you still in a fog when you went dancing afterwards? Were you still in a fog when you stayed out all night? Were you still in a fog when you went to all the parties and you were laughing and carrying on? Uh, that fog lasted a long time. Were you high? Were you drunk? Wait, what, what, was, what was going on? Because we know that he's really into, you know, a lot of stars now into everything from peyote to LSD because Steve Jobs did it, so we should do it. And then they say they're microdosing to make it seem okay. But, man, there's a lot of – like, what was going on? Because it seemed to me like your eyes were eyes were glazed over and you were effing high or you were drunk and you are so just come out and admit that. Go, you know what? I was drunk. Or you know what? I was high. 
that's why there was a fog. I don't think there was just some made up fog. I th- I think he was he was effed up. And 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 the bottom line is this: if if he was, then that's where you start. And I think if he came out and said, "Hey, I was effed up." If he came out and gave the real, why did you go dancing? Why did you like like what was that? Because he said he's been doing all this work around it. I didn't hear any of the work. Uh, I just saw a guy who was, to Ron's point, controlling the narrative, controlling the future, uh, and wanting to make sure that he secures more thirty-three. You're million so right. Deals. This apology was all a hundred percent about Will Smith and zero percent about Chris Rock. Yeah, and and I think Chris and Chappelle sn- sniffed that out. Yeah, and, and and they called him on it, and and I'm glad that they did. So, hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by, listening to episode 447. We really appreciate it. Thanks for making us your broadcasters, your friends, and your realtors. If you need us, uh, just reach out and let's do a sit down. Yeah, Ron at RonandDon.com, or you can go to the website RonandDon.com, set up a sit down there, um, we can get you started. Whether it's for this fall or moving into 2023, let's get a game plan. Uh, getting to going right now, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's still a great time to be a buyer, you guys. Right yeah. now is a great time don't to Don't let interest rates be weird because you're going to refinance that in a couple of years anyway. So don't be weird about that. And investors like me, we're used to paying higher interest rates. So this is not a big deal to us. It's like, hey, can we make a cash flow? Can we still get depreciation when it comes to taxes? And we can we still get appreciation if we're a buy and hold investor? Uh, like I am, you guys. So let's talk about it. Ronadonsitdown.com. If you want one of our buyer's playbooks or seller's playbooks because you're just thinking about it, you're dipping your toe in the water, write Ron. Ron at Ronadon.com and we'll send you one today. Want the newsletter? Yeah, Ronadonsitdown.com. Yeah, and thanks for listening to this podcast. Let's go Seahawks tonight as they get ready to take on those Denver Broncos. And who knows? Maybe it'll be that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning when he was trying to... Was it the first play of the game where he was trying to bounce the ball? He got snapped over his head. <laughs> Let's hope for some of that tonight. All right? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 448. It'll be here right before you know it. It's the Ron and Don Show. Oh, there you the Ron and Don. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.